everyone. My name is Maria Thomas, and I work for Allianz Research, the global team of economists, strategists, sector advisors, and foresight experts of the Allianz Group, led by Ludovic Subron. Welcome to Tomorrow, a podcast where we'll be talking about our latest analyses of economic and capital market developments, as well as our views on trends affecting risk management. Let's get started. Is the global economic recovery still on track? With the spread of the Delta variant, growth momentum softened over the summer, and uncertainty remains high, especially in a context of differing vaccination rates and extensive supply chain disruption. In this episode, we dive into the outlook for the rest of 2021 and 2022, the risks ahead, and what policymakers need to do next with Ludovic Subron, Chief Economist at Allianz Research. Hello, Ludovic. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Maria. So after all this excitement over the grand reopening, it kind of seems like the recovery hit a stumbling block over the summer because of the spread of the Delta variant, right? Can you tell us how you see this impacting growth um, for the rest of 2021 and going into 2022? Well, I think what we can say now on the Delta variant is that it's not too bad, right? I think, you know, if you think really about the how worried people were um, in the summer. I have the impression that now the Delta-related uncertainty is a form of a soft stop. Okay. And and it will only cause between 0.2 and 0.5 percentage point of GDP growth in advanced economies, right? So the, the, the effect is, as we expected, a little bit less each time um, because certainly consumers and producers have known to adapt to um, these waves or wavelets of virus, Mm -hmm. but also um, because policymakers continue to be very present in the game and, you know, vaccination has somehow um, decorrelated the incidence of the virus with the hospitalization hospitalization cases. So um, Delta is having an effect. It's much less than some commentators have expected. Um, what is more important, though, is this idea that we're going to have more Deltas. Mm. And so there's this endemic side to the virus, you know, living with the virus or, or uh, how, you know, some people call it the forever virus, which has started to question a lot of, you know, how growth um, policymakers or capital markets will actually behave in an environment in which we're going to have um, virus-related uncertainty with us for time to come. So tell us more about the, the capital markets aspect then. What does it mean really for capital markets? Well, you know, the Delta um, effect has been most severe in the US, right? And as you know, the capital markets are very um, reacting to the confidence effect in the US. And so we've seen a deceleration priced in in the bond market and also some more volatility on the equity market. And I think this is really um, related in part to um, this endemic aspect of the virus, this idea that we're going to have some good and some bad news and some states um, or some locations where, where there are issues. Of course, the capital markets, you know, or at least the the expectations we have for capital markets are much more clouded by other issues, okay. um, especially, you know, the, the situation in China or the policy uh, stance by central banks. But I guess we will come to that um, in this podcast. 
Yes, I wanted to go before into the question of inflation, because I think a lot of people have questions about that. So tell us, has your perspective on the inflation outlook for the US and the Eurozone changed? No, okay. <laughs> we are still on team transitory. Okay. Uh, we, we expect inflation to reach 2.2% in 2021 and 1.5% in 2022. That's for the Eurozone. Mm -hmm. And for the US, we expect 4.1% this year and 2.2% uh, uh, next year. So, so there is indeed this peak of inflation, which we think is a bit behind us in the US and certainly a bit ahead of us in Europe. Okay. But, but we are quite confident that this is a couple of years issue. So by the end of 2022, early 2023, we go back into, let's say, the, the target range um, that is commonly accepted. So so let's say below three, you know, um, sometimes even below 2.5. Um, and, and so why we are still on team transitory? Because it is true that, you know, commodity-related inflation base effects on the way inflation is computed. The fact that in the in consumer price index, you have things that didn't have a price a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, some very specific technical effects like the end of um, VAT sales tax reduction in Germany, mm -hmm. all of that is having effect on inflation. Um, and, and, you know, we, we see that it is an issue for the, the most vulnerable people, uh, the, whose purchasing power is limited by inflation spikes, the most vulnerable companies whose margins are indented by um, the input price acceleration. Mm -hmm. But overall, we are not concerned that this um, um, supply side or, or supply driven dislocation related inflation becomes you know, stagflation. So a moment in which inflation starts indenting growth, because, because that would mean that we see some other mechanisms, um, in place, right? So wage inflation or monetary inflation, mm -hmm. or, you know, a form of zombification of the economy. So there is something that doesn't bring growth, right? And so we, we, as you know, we discussed that in a previous podcast and I invite everybody to <laughs> listen to this. You know, we, we analyze a bit the causes and consequences of these inflation pressures. And you have to remember, right? The, the way policymakers try to save the world from recession and bankruptcies and unemployment created debt and inflation. Mm -hmm. But, but we are still confident that, you know, we're going to create some growth and productivity. And, and, you know, we, we're going to get out of that. So we're not going to get stuck in this, you know, post-crisis type of, of uh, situation. But it does take, and this is, you know, a little bit the, the, the next step, it does take some very specific policy actions, right? So the, the, all eyes are on central banks and how they are able to tame inflation. All eyes are also on ministries of finance around the world to understand you know, how they're managing their, the risk of, of um, overstaying their welcome. Yeah? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so these are very important moments to make sure that these inflation pressures don't become uh, permanent. Okay, so let's let's talk about those risks more in detail because I guess these are the, the key risks to your outlook. Can you, can you tell us more about what to expect? I think the the for me today the biggest risk is China, okay. uh, because as you've seen, there's been this regulatory backlash on a series of sectors in China, and there is also you know a very specific um, bankruptcy case in the real estate sector, which is a major contributor to GDP in China. So there is this strong deceleration of China. Mm -hmm. 
which is affecting, you know, the rest of the world, right? Um, especially commodity exporters in the emerging world, but also uh, trade uh, supplies in the Western world. Um, and it's creating also a bit of um, turbulence, I would say, on, on capital markets, right? Mm -hmm. Because some people are indeed exposed to the sharp correction of the Chinese equity market. So for right. me, the way authorities in China are going to manage this situation is going to be very important. It's going to be mostly about Chinese growth, but it is also about containing um, contagion risk. Right. And, and, and this is going to be, I think, for, you know, the end of the year, uh, a bit uh, the, the major issue to understand how 2022 growth is going to be shaped in China, but also globally. The second risk is, is really this risk of policy mistakes that we have been uh, talking about for quite some time. Um, you know, the, the, the both the Fed, the, the, the central bank of the US and the ECB will have to announce a form of an exit strategy. The Fed will certainly do it, you know, in the coming weeks. Uh, the, the U.S. Is, is in everybody's mind because it is where, you know, liquidity happens, right? So whatever the Fed decides could actually have some effect on capital markets, of course, on the euro dollar, on the financing conditions in emerging markets. So it's very important to understand that the US financial cycle is important uh, for the global recovery and the shape of growth in 2022, which we still, you know, continue to believe is going to remain strong, you know, above 4% globally. Mm -hmm. um, so, so the Fed on one side, and then in Europe, we, you know, we have German elections, um, we have French elections, uh, we have a lot of issues to discuss on how we address um, the, the big challenges of, of greening and making this recovery more inclusive. And so as a result, 2022, you know, will be also a, um, a reality check on what the ECB wants to do and can do according mm -hmm. to its mandate. So over the span of the next 12 months, you know, central banks who has done the heavy lifting of responding to this crisis will be um, very much scrutinized because whatever they decide will have an effect on um, maybe the strength of the recovery and, and certainly on giving signals to the private sector, but also to the public sector that debt could be a bit more expensive than it has been in the past. And then if I think about a third um, risk or something that is a bit, um, you know, um, on the back burner, but that is important is, is the um, regulatory backlash. We, okay. You know, and it can be in different aspects. It can be about competition policy on, on digital, uh, which has started in China and could question a little bit whether it's the appetizer to what could happen to the rest of the world, where the state is very present in this, in the, business uh, in the private business but also the choices we're going to make on greening right we are on the way to cop 26 in glasgow and so the world is faced with decision to make on how to reach uh, the net zero economy targets right yeah. and so we have to make sure that private sector mechanisms are part of the toolbox that we don't only rely on regulations and taxes and, and this is something that especially in europe is very discussed um, because, because there is, um, and, and, you know, you, you will discuss that or you have discussed that already with one of our colleagues, this carbon border 
tax adjustment mechanism, there are some talks about additional uh, Levi's to make sure that we can um, incentivize companies uh, and incentivize consumers to um, be more virtuous in their consumption and production. And so I'm, I'm always a bit concerned because we've seen in the past that these um, decisions uh, could uh, surprise uh, companies and, and basically subdue their investments and could certainly um, lower a bit gross expectations if those regulations are having a, a strong effect on, on growth and expectations. Thank you very much, Ludovic. Speak to you next time. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the full report we just spoke about on our website. We'll leave a link in the show notes. If you'd like to discover more of our research, you can also follow the Ludonomics newsletter on LinkedIn. We'll leave a link down below for that too. If you like the podcast, please send it to any of your friends who might like it too, and leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode. 